ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I am joined, as always, by Hal, a.k.a. Halbertius, a.k.a. Jake. It's good to be back one last time in person. Yep. The summer vacation is over here shortly. And then I will not have to put noise filters for this fan <laughs> in any more of our podcasts, which will be great. And I will not be sitting in a steaming hot room Look, in my basement. I, I don't control the AC. <laughs> I mean, I guess could prepare a little bit more ahead of time, but that's anything wrong there. I, hey, I turned the fan on. <laughs> the windows are open, the fan is on. That's what I got. That's that's what I got. It's still like 84 degrees in here, and I can't help you. I gave you ice water. That's fair. <laughs> that's what, I am hydrated that's what I with got. water and rum, yeah. the important things. Yeah. All right, so today we're going to wrap up the Summer League, of which the Pistons only played about one full game of Summer League, which coincidentally is the one game I actually cared enough to watch. Well, uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, like, most of the first game and, like, a quarter of the second game were actual basketball. Yeah. That was it. Sounds like I didn't miss much. No. Uh, from your, what your notes say and from what I assume, they went 3-2. and two. I, I don't know so. if that matters. Honestly, I didn't check and nobody cares. Because, <laughs> yeah. again, three and a half of the games were complete and utter nonsense. Hey, Buddy Beheim cares. No. And that does not, not matter at all. Not, not even Coach Beheim cares that much. Well, I'd assume Coach Beheim would care less than the person actually playing in the games. Yeah, Buddy's already got his two-way. Fair. Fair. I got my mid-drink there. Um, <laughs> injury write-up, you say nothing of note. Um, I know we're going to talk about Jaden Ivey a little bit later. He did turn an ankle in game two and did not appear after that. I'm stepping on our later points. but Actually, Saban Lee did, actually, Saban Lee did oh, actually yeah. have a boot on. The, I just didn't change this. Saban had a boot on. I don't know what's going on there. I assume No one else played. did. Was it James who was confused as well? One of the beat writers, I can't remember who, I think it was James, just like... Uh, Saban's not playing. Don't know why that is. No. Someone went back like, oh, here's where he hurt his ankle, he's now in a boot. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see something crazy either, but he was in a boot. Uh, I think Casey said Ivy would have played if it had been the regular season. Yep. We'll get into why maybe that should have just been, Ivy should have played in a minute. But, uh, I I guess before we do that, anything you want to talk about kind of around the league from Summer League? Anything non-Pistons related you saw? I know you didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot. Yeah, I say, I've, I've been pretty busy the last couple weeks, and summer league I usually kind of I'll tune in for like a day or two, and then I'm like, uh, okay, this is <laughs> this is not great basketball, except for the times when the Pistons had great summer league teams. Then I kind of cared a bit, but when Bruce Brown was cooking, oh my god, yes, and then they decided, ah, Stanley. no, we just won't play Bruce Brown for the game that, that sends you to the title because, ugh, yep, kind of love taking in the summer league. Um, not much. I mean, the top prospects are good. <laughs> I don't think there's, at least at the moment, any bus worries between, like, a Chet, a Paolo, or a no, Jabari. I, I think, and this may hurt your say, I think you have to go down to, like... Uh, nope, I know where you're going. Uh, Johnny uh, Davis. Johnny Davis. Number 10 of the Wizards. Uh, who had, like, a normal horrific. summer league game. He wasn't horrific, but he was just, I like... say as a whole. Because he, he was, like, 9 for, like, 30 shooting or something like that. I mean, he, like, had a bad shooting streak, but, like, he was fine defensively, like, yeah. you you saw the Johnny Davis he wanted, but it wasn't the Johnny, it, he didn't stand out as like, this is an obvious first round pick, and obviously, um, Shaden Sharp gets hurt early, and Ivy gets hurt early, but I didn't think there was anybody who was like, oh, that dude's not an NBA player, and he got drafted 14th. Yeah, I will say, uh, also, <laughs> Duran sent, or, uh, Duran sent Johnny Davis into the Shadow Realm as well, <laughs> the pretty insane block, so, yeah. 
yeah. That kind of that was kind of my expect or my summary as a whole from Johnny Davis <laughs> was not shooting well and got obliterated by Jalen Duran. Yeah. But do we the, need to do we need to talk about Keegan Murray who summer league MVP? Everyone's saying, "Ah, oh, see, I told you, I told you he's gonna be I, great." I mean, if you'd given me like if you'd asked me to like set the odds on summer league MVP, Paolo would have been number one for me, just because like it's really easy to see Paolo taking a crap ton of shots and just doing the most. Yeah, fair. And Keegan would have been like a very close number two because see, I would have like, personally put Keegan number one just because I feel like. Paolo would come in, and eh, he's the number one overall pick. He's not going to try it too incredibly hard. Paolo was never going to be as efficient, but Paolo could have also like had like nine assist games, and True. Keegan wasn't going to do that. Um, but like Keegan Murray's big thing, like I don't want to call him like a bum slayer, like that's not what he is. But he's just like he sounds just, like about to be where you're going. Though. Well, just like he's a mismatch killer, right? Yeah. That's what he is, and like he sl- he is like a bum slayer in that like he's going to kill the worst player on your team pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's good at moving off the ball, finding easy matchups, and taking advantage. And summer league is an entire league of bums. True. Uh, like For the Keegan, most part, yes. Keegan Murray was always going to cook here. Uh, Keegan Murray is three years older than most of the other top prospects. Mm-hmm. He should be cooking. Uh, like here's the point where I, I feel like we were very hard on Murray coming to the draft just because we don't want the Pistons to get him, and I still stand by that. Correct. I am still in. Incredibly happy with getting Jaden Ivey. I would have taken him any day over Keegan Murray or Correct. anyone else from four onwards. But that being said, for the Kings, if you're looking at this from the he's a good the Kings, he's a good fit for the Kings. I think he I hate to see it. I think he's gonna fit really well with and him. He's, and and he's a way easier fit than Jaden Ivey. Ivey I think is gonna be a better player, but like he's not gonna contribute as early. Yep. And, and he's the, the Kings want to like, win right now. They are done with this like not making the playoff streak. Well, and, and like Ivy is definitely the best for that. force. Like, Fox is going to have to start making decisions if Ivy's there that are different. And we saw with uh, um, Halliburton that, like, that didn't work for Fox. So I think it's a mistake because I think if you turn down someone like Ivy for because you're scared of Fox, you should probably... Because you like Fox and Mitchell too much? Right. You should probably just consider trading those guys then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, uh, I am incredibly fine. happy with what the Kings did, but yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it can still work out okay for them. But I think if they, is all they care about right now, I think personally the Kings, our ownership and their front office is pretty much like, fuck the future, we need to make the playoffs. So yeah, well, and Vivek is like uh, somebody asked me earlier on Twitter, and I can't remember who it is. Um, I think I think their ad is is Dr. Jenkins. Oh, it's, it's somebody I've had a, I've talked to a lot over the last couple years, and I'm, I'm mad at this. But they, they just kind of throw out into the void, you know, what's different from, like, a drafting and scouting perspective now than 30 years ago when the Pistons draft Darko, or 20 years when they draft Darko, and 30 years before. And it's like, so much. Yeah, there's so much So more much is different, right? Video, so much information. The, well, so, video is just available on demand, right? Yeah. It used to be that you had to, like, go get the video, mm-hmm. like, in a car maybe, or and even then, in some cases, go to the games. Like, right, right. Like you had to like dry or fly. Drive you got to send fly a scout over there to the game to maybe get video <laughs> if you were getting video. Um, so just like you have way more time now. Yeah. Um, and also to that point is in the past, like you will maybe send a scout over there and maybe they can film, maybe they can't. But 
it's not something where the GM has the opportunity to go over right, that and see. Right, right. You're, you're Nowadays, trusting the scout. The, the scout GM. isn't clipping something and yeah. giving it to the GM and be like, I like this. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, it's just like the GM is probably getting clips from every single player, right, right. every single top 200 prospect. Right. You're, you're, you know, back then it was you had a scout. The scout had better be good. Yeah. Because uh, you're trusting the scout. Um, you know, back then. Uh, you didn't scout guys throughout high school. Now we have this this AAU circuit, the internet, international game. I thought we were talking about positives here. Well, the AAU circuit is is a mess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I'm, tra- I'm trying to watch. To I'm trying to watch Peach Jam right now. What the hell and like, is that? It's it's a it's a Nike circuit event. I think it's a Nike circuit event. Hmm. Um, in Atlanta, and like all the big teams play in it. It's a it's a it's like a five day tournament, and. Uh, it's a great tournament, and there's a lot of great kids there. Uh, the The website uh, for the EYBL doesn't have uh, up to date rosters. It doesn't directly have. Um, it doesn't. They don't clip the games into single games. You can just get a Twitch stream of the entire day. Oh. Like, none of it is well produced. Yep. Um, but it exists. You didn't used that. to exist, you know. So all that's different. But also, maybe the biggest change of all of it. Is that ownership no longer gets as, as involved in scouting? Yeah, I mean, in terms they, of scouting, yeah, they definitely. still influence the shit out of everything. <laughs> I mean, you still have to convince an owner that this is the right move, but there are way fewer owners nowadays that go, Johnny Juzang had a billion points in the tournament, you're going to draft him number eight. Like, that doesn't <laughs> happen anymore, except for Vivek and the Kings. True. He's, true. he's the owner that absolutely Although knows he that. definitely wasn't seeing Keegan Murray in the tournament and being like, we need that guy. No. No, but <laughs> Vivek, but it's sure. very much Vivek is extremely involved in all of that, and he's easily the owner that I think has the most influence on that. Every other owner has to be like influenced, but it's mostly like, give me the data to back it up, right? Yeah. Like Mark Cuban is like, show me the data. Mm-hmm. Mark Cuban's very involved, but like he's going to let his GM, whose name I can't remember, um, do the stuff. Uh, Vivek is like, this guy, I like him. Yeah. Prove to me that he's not the guy, or I'm demanding we draft him. And that's just a weird place to be in. And I think a good and way to... probably s- locked out, frankly, that Keegan Murray is Keegan Murray and not someone else, because like if it was Johnny Juzang, for example, would have been a terrible mistake. And it would have been extremely kinks. I think the most the most telling point you, where you could see like a Vivek call is, does the guy score a lot of points in college? <laughs> if that's the case, and he gets drafted by the Kings, that's a bit of an overdraft, I'm calling that a Vivek call. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Buddy Heald. Where are they? Did they draft, did they draft Buddy? No. They didn't draft Buddy. They traded for Buddy. They traded for Buddy. More importantly, Marvin Bagley exists. <laughs> All right. Oh, he's gotta, our problem now. we got to go to to Pistons players, speaking of. Circle back. Uh, so let's let's start with the, the big name, Jaden Ivey. What did you see from Jaden Ivey this week? Exactly what we expected. The summer of the game I watched, he, he was the real deal. It looked exactly like what I saw of him in college. Uh, I think a lot of Pistons fans probably watched him one way or another, uh, based on the college team they probably support and watch, so they kind of know what to expect with Ivy, and he, I mean, he, he delivers, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's... Yeah, the first game had a lot of the messy uh, kind of stuff in the middle of the floor, and he, he kind of grew out of it in the second half of that game, and then... Uh, turns his ankle like six minutes into game two, but before that, I think he was like four or four from the field, ten points, mm-hmm. uh, and, like three assists, and just like completely blew open the doors in that game. Uh, yeah, he's really good. I think uh, I have a lot of concerns still about like, can you hand him control of the ball? 
in a half court setting. Um, you know, obviously, like we'll expect to see him play a lot with Cade and Killian, so like he's not going to have to. But like that was absolutely a mess. It was a mess um, in all his reps. So with that, do you want him facilitating like starting the offense, or do you want him more as like a second read, like a second? I very much want him the guy attacking and tilted defense. Yeah. I want him. I want him crashing in transition, jump stopping, throw it back to Killian or Cade, let them set something up and be on the weak side corner and just you know play out of that. Yeah. Um, but. The defense was a bit of a problem. The shooting's still, like, really up and down, but, I mean, the athleticism pops. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the shooting is going to be a little streaky, probably. Let's bring Chip England back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chip England is on the market. Uh, <laughs> Pretty please? This is this is one of those things where, like, it doesn't... There's no requirement for staff size in the NBA. Some teams, With some coaches like to be... Uh, Smaller staffed, some coaches like bigger staff, you know, some GMs like a bigger staff, whatever. You get a limit of three on the bench, something like that. I can't remember exactly. I think that sounds right. But it doesn't matter how many scouts or, or whatever you have. There's absolutely no reason that you should not be throwing a bag at Chip England if you All want the to. Bags. Every like, single bag you could find. It's maybe the most important skill development thing. It's also, like, one of the easiest. Like, um, not that teaching shooting is easy, but shooting is one of the things that you can change later in life. Yeah. Um, easiest, like we've talked, I think, before, um, developing a handle requires proprioception skills and just, like, an understanding of feel of space in, in the floor yeah. that is, like, best developed. Like, it's way easier to do at a young age than it is an old one. Shooting, it helps to develop it young, but, like... As long know, as they have a decent touch and kind of a feel, I think shooting is something that can develop a lot well, later. Like, versus, like, something like a... You know, learning how to learning defensive rotations it takes a little bit longer to learn. Well, like, and that's, that's all. That's all reps. Like shooting, yeah. shooting, and that's like game reps. You know, yeah. shooting is one of those things where like you can go to anybody on the street and give them like a, a ten minute clinic on like proper form and some of the tricks. Like Larry, uh, I think his name is Larry Fodor. Uh, it's the Miami Heat's shooting coach. Has like a couple of really neat tricks for like how to. Uh, you like grab the ball, put it on your thigh. You put your wrist on like the point of the ball as it extends out from your thigh. And you roll the ball up to your hip, and it, you kind of let your elbow pass by your your abdomen. You automatically will have your wrist loaded, and the ball and your arm will be in like a right angle, and you just kind of swivel your elbow up to level, and you'll like be in a perfect shooting pocket. Hmm. Things like that, like obviously breaking old habits is hard. Yeah, but you can create methodology for good habits in a way that's extremely repeatable. And shooting is one of those things that any player can do at any time, even when they're injured. You know, you can still get on a court and shoot free throws from a chair if you need to. So, like, regardless, Chip England is available. And if Chip England isn't snatched up by another team or isn't, like, on a sabbatical, you should be, like, offering him whatever the highest-paid shooting coach position in the NBA is. Like, just throw that at him because you have money and there's no salary cap for staff. Plus 10% on top because he deserves it. Like, just whatever. Um, if you care about Killian Hayes, if you care about Isaiah Stewart, if you care about, like, Jalen Duran ever being a shooter... Like if you care about like Cade did not have a great shooting season. I think I think that's more shot selection and everything else. But like Cade needs help too. Like go get the best shooting coaches. That's every team should have like no actually every other team should not have a shooting coach and we should have like five. Okay, <laughs> that's on a, that, be, that started just go get me, off, like one just of those... go get me Chip Chip England. Go get me Larry Fodor. Go get me um, uh, Fred Vinson from the Pelicans. Go get me, like, all of those big-name guys, and just nobody else can have them. Just pay them all to come here. I like how that started off, like, you were, like, 
the Sarah McLaughlin, like, sad dog. If you care about Killian Hayes, <laughs> you will go pay to get Chip England. You will. You will. Take care of your puppies. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, anyway, back to Jaden Ivey. Uh, looked good. Like, I, I have concerns still, but he's super clearly an elite athlete. Yep. And Looked good. I would say he's one of the guys where I didn't really care too much how Summer League went. Because he's the kind of guy where I think all of it is just kind of understanding the game and kind of understanding the offense and like when to uh, when to be aggressive, when to defer, and that's gonna be something that's just gonna be end game reps. I, I was hoping to see some like high pick and roll reps with Duran, just like something he yes. didn't do in college, just like in NBA spacing. Like if you can you get uh, Ivy, Buddy Beheim, Isaiah Livers spacing around an Ivy Duran pick and roll, and what does that look like? And like I mean, we didn't uh, get it. I, I pushed back. I think he had a pretty good amount of high pick and rolls. The only problem was it was like. Edie and Williams both doing it. Not at Maybe per, I don't, at, I don't at have Purdue, the stats back it up. At Purdue from, was a lot more DHOs, just like like it wasn't like high pick and roll spaced NBA pick and rolls. Um, I mean, it wasn't spaced, but it was definitely there were some high pick and rolls that I could even think to off my head. So he he ran some. Maybe it's just the games I was watching. They weren't NBA style. No, and they were never. Uh, and it happened a lot more later in the year. Uh, That's probably where like, I watched it. Just more, it so. just wasn't. A thing I really wanted to see that just like see him in a half court setting experiment a bit. He really didn't get a chance to. Um, speaking <laughs> to of, not getting, speaking yeah. of not getting a chance, <laughs> so he was not the only one. <laughs> uh, Killian Hayes got one game, uh, didn't get the ball much in that game. The opponents trapped him basically every touch. Uh, people got mad that he wasn't aggressive enough, which is stupid. Uh, I'm just gonna come out and say it bluntly. Like, I know this wasn't the game. Like, we talked about it, I think, before, you know, we want to see a, an aggressive Killian getting to the rim, but, like, if you're getting trapped off the ball, you're getting trapped off the ball. You pass the ball. Like, you make the smart pass, Killian did. He had a couple of assists, he played good defense, uh, he got called for a bunch of bullshit fouls because it's summer league refs, and, like, that's just, like, this wasn't the game that said, oh, Killian Hayes is breaking out. It also isn't a game that you have any real leverage to criticize him in. Um, yeah. It's weird that he didn't get to play more. Yeah, that was, was kind of we're surprising. Just, we're going to talk, I think, about that in, in more detail when we get down to some of the other guys as well. But, like, if you're going to, like, James Edwards uh, reported kind of early that, like, this was going to be a, a summer league where they were going to take a long, hard look at Killian. And, like, <laughs> clearly that wasn't the case because they didn't do anything intentional with him. Hopefully they took a long, hard look at practice and they're like, yeah, we see it. We're, we're not dumb. I, I, it didn't make what any sense. What are we talking about? Um, yeah, I want to say... Um, uh, your, uh, how do I put this, your island co-founder, co-mate, Ku, I believe had a pretty good thread on Twitter, uh, where he clipped a bunch of, I want to say it was Ku, pretty possibly it was Ku. And clipped through, all his touches and was just like, all the touches and there's so what many do you want him to do? Where it's like he, he's, he's at the top of the key and the two guys come on to him and he makes a perfect pass. Like, yeah. what, like, I get that you want him to be aggressive and that's something that we've been waiting to see more on him, but when he makes the right decision, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it's, as long as it's, it's getting the right decision, like. If you make the right decision every play, you're like an all star and you're going to the finals. Like that, it's and obviously that's an exaggeration, but like, I, 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 I like it's an exaggeration. Like Killian Hayes isn't perfect, but if he was, and he still like you can make the right decision every play, not score and win by thirty, and like we you just recalibrate your your not expectations but like your demands of a player to not be scores twenty and ten but does the right thing. Mm-hmm. The stat line will come, the plus minus will come if they're doing the right thing. I thought he did the right thing. I thought it was fine. 
Yep. Obviously, we have a lot of questions that need to get answered this offseason, but like this didn't he didn't fail any tests here. No. Um, Not that I felt. Uh, I guess the next guy on the list. Uh, <laughs> let, let's go. Let's go here to Saban, I say, Saban I, Lee. I was surprised you didn't put that order next because uh, I, I don't feel like you could talk about Ivy and Hayes without talking about Saban. Uh, where to start? The worst summer league showing I think I've ever seen from yep. a rostered player. For someone that has a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a real contract. Not even a two-way, a real contract. He Just really bad. I don't think I can think of someone who has not necessarily regressed, but has plateaued as much as Kiel, or as much as Saban has. This this was just like one of those things where like Saban lost the plot entirely. Yeah. Um, like, he's a better player than he showed. Um, it's like he was dribbling into traps. He, he wasn't... He, obviously, he's never been much of a shooter... Um, you know, he didn't show off anything new there. His form is still a, a big question mark. But, like, a lot of turnovers. Uh, got a lot of fouls that he didn't deserve, frankly. The Summer League refs were really generous. He wouldn't get those in an NBA game. Um, now, he got hurt, so he didn't have a chance to make up for it, really. But mm-hmm. it was really bad. Really bad. And more than just, like, the bad play is the fact that you have a guy in his third year who doesn't yet understand... Like, what's expected of him. Yeah, what his role is. And, like, that's the biggest flag of all. It's just, like, if he came out here and thought that the best way for him to, like, prove himself was to just go screaming into into two defenders all the time, <laughs> like, that's that's far worse. Like, I would rather see somebody go 0 for 16 making the right play than what Saban did. And, and I'm that's a concern. Uh, there's now th- three guards, Cade, Killian, and, and Ivy, that are definitively ahead of him on the depth chart. Kojo is definitely a more reliable. Like, you're forgetting someone there. No, well, so those th- those three are guys like you have to you have to start ahead the, of them. the team. The team wants to get yeah. them minutes. They're, They're going to get minutes over him. Kojo is the safe option if one of those guys goes down or or if you need a it's, rotation. He's the veteran presence. Saban, Saban doesn't minutes. have minutes unless unless they you know do tanking stuff again and you know there's a real there's a real chance that you see Saban Lee traded and or cut to make room for something else. In that was the point I wanted to bring up. Maneuvering. Would you over under trade deadline next year? Is Saban on the team? Yes or no? Uh, no, it's not over under. Deadline. Yes or no? Is <laughs> Saban Lee on the roster past trade deadline? I I'm trying to remember what his contract is. Yeah, I was um, also thinking that as soon as I asked the question. I, f- I think that would be like he has six months left on his deal at that point. Yeah, I um, think he is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He signed a three-year, like two million dollar deal with. AAV. Oh, he's got a club option for next year. Yeah, so I just, like, I don't see him being on the team. I don't know that he has value in a trade at this point other than just being a salary yeah. consideration. So, uh, yeah, the f- when you have that many people ahead of you, the, the future doesn't look bright. Uh, we've, we've said it before. I think Saban will have an awesome overseas career, even if he doesn't stick in the NBA. Uh, but that was, that was disappointing. Yeah, I think I like Saban as a player. I like his abilities. It's just, it's clear that his abilities are not going to translate to a role in the NBA. No. I think it's the best way to Not even a little bit. And it's not somewhere he can necessarily change his game, because, like, his game is so predicated on him having the ball. And in today's NBA... He he could be a backup point guard in the NBA. He absolutely could. But it's got to, he needs to shift what what he's doing mentally. There there has to be some mid-range stuff going on. Yeah. Let's go to the, some of the, the fringe players here quick. Let's bang out the, the two-way guys. Uh, Buddy Beheim, 
He's Buddy Beheim. He, yep. he hit some jumpers. I didn't think he looked very good on defense. He wasn't super impressive moving the ball. I just I didn't think he was real. Like, he's a really fringe roster guy. He definitely looked better than some of the other players. Um, I would probably take uh, Stanley Umade from the Umude, uh, from the, the Summer League roster over him. Uh, I see this is just a nepotism hire. I, didn't, I wasn't. There's nothing about that that was crazy. He is like six seven and can shoot, so there's some just like basic roster function to him. But whatever. Uh, Braxton Key, same thing. He's now twenty five. Yeah. So like, if you're a fringe roster wing at twenty five, <laughs> like, I really need you to be like Isaiah Livers, right? So the, the the next guy on the list was easily to me the like does not need to be okay. here player. Like, yep. Isaiah Livers already knows all the rotations. He knows all the communications. Um, like, you could say, like, he should be here because he should, like, get some reps as, like... 100% what I was going to say. You stole it out of I'm like, he's here only to get reps. But even that, like, he's not. He's in. The, he's yeah. on the roster right now because... He got some reps in college. It's not... No. No. He yeah. won't do that in the NBA. It, it's, yes. it's, it's just like... It's just like... It's, it's not his role... He knows it's not his role. The front office knows it's not his role. He was on this roster in part because he didn't get a lot of minutes last year. Yeah. More importantly, because he was like an easy um, uh, control option for the coaching staff, right? Like this, just—it's a young roster, so it doesn't—or a young player, so it doesn't look bad that he's on the summer league roster. You know, it's not like offensive to him, and like he'll anchor your defense and your communication and hit threes, and like he's—he's yeah. he's a control option so that you know what you have. Uh, did not need to be there. Was was overwhelmingly the Pistons' best, uh, like defensive communicator. Hit shots. Knows what he is. It's just obvious. Yep. And the thing is, going back to Braxton Key, if you're 25 and I don't get any of that out of you, and you mostly just look like like he's an NBA frame guy with like the fringe skills, but like you're 25, I do need you to like lock some things down. He hasn't. I don't love having him as a two-way guy when there's a lot of guys that are younger that could be that guy. Um, he just take by someone who's 30, but okay. Hey, whoa, harsh. Speaking of young people. So one of those guys, like, to me, uh, Gabriela Presida was not on... Transitioning. Yeah, was, was <laughs> not on the roster, right? He's confirmed yep. he's going to go back overseas, which is good for him. Which can, if someone's going back overseas, they can still play in summer league, right? I don't know. They have to be, okay. like, released by their other they team. They have to get approved there's, the club, I'm sure, right, there's, there's some funky things. And I don't I don't think he got, like, uh, officialed fast enough. Um, yeah, was there was a trade. No, it wasn't the trade. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he was part of the... Um, I don't know. It was the trade swap with the Blazers. Yeah, but I thought that got done before the. It was like a day. It was like a day before summer league. Yeah. Um, okay. So it it was one of those things. And then I I can't don't quote me on this, but I think there's a thing where like he has to sign something like in order to do it that like means the Pistons have to bring him over within a certain period of time. Ooh. Like there's some, there's some funky things there. So yeah, I don't remember all the details. Um, and and all I'm saying is he didn't play, but I look at that and I say. If I'm just searching for something on a two-way, why would Proceda not be my two-way? Um, you know, like I've never quite understood that. While you draft these overseas guys in the second round and say, "Oh, you got to stash them," like you could stash them at the G League. I guess I, I maybe, mean, it's a, like, there's, there's, maybe it's a preference. Maybe they'd so, rather so play the, overseas. The, the benefit, right, is that um, until you bring him over, uh, you have that first contract control. You know, so you get a you get a chance to give him not that true. first low ball contract before he proves himself. Whatever. Um, 
you know, and you don't have to spend the resources to train them and all that other stuff, but, like, if your other option is someone like Braxton Key, who's 25 and not there yet, and really, like, a fringe guy, and and looking fringier by the minute, um, yeah. you know, it just, it, seem, it seems like a low-value gamble to me. Yeah. I don't know. Someone get friend for shit on the line. <laughs> That's the only person I trust for my international takes. Uh... Yeah, Fran Fischilla knows the guy's name. Uh, whether Fran Fischilla knows much about basketball at this day and age is interesting to me. Well, I know his name. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, last two guys then really to talk about. Three, three. Let's get one out of the way. Balsa Kopravica, not an NBA player. <laughs> not, not, no notes. In the there's, there's, no, there's no notes. It's still baffling that he was drafted over Jericho Sims. Just like mind-boggling to me. Not an NBA player. Nobody I've ever talked to in the scouting world had him as an NBA player. I don't know yet the details. Like, I haven't heard, like, what agent relationship or whatever rigged that up. <laughs> but, uh, what the hell? Uh, looked terrible. Um, there were a couple minutes where, like, he got on a roll, and it was in game, like, four of Summer League, and everyone was like, look at that. So it's like, yeah, he's playing all the other bums. The seven-foot-one guy finally made a, like, finished a layup. Good job. Um, I don't like to be that harsh, but, like, just wow, was he unimpressive. Was he, like, the second-to-last pick in the draft? Yeah, like, like pick 58. But there are other options. This is this is the... the I agree, but a lot of it, like, you get Aaron Hatter or something like that. I know it was at the end of that draft. Like, I'd rather get someone like that, but I think once you get to the very end of it, you're in a weird here's, predicament here's thing, where though, people like, have already it's, signed it's one thing. It's one thing to draft a guy um, that is, like, a fringe NBA player. Also, like, so 60 picks in the draft. If also Kopravica was a guy that, like, I had as, like, my 75th guy, fine. I didn't, I did not scout Balsa Kopravica. I watched a lot of Florida State games and was like, that's not an NBA dude, and didn't <laughs> care. I forgot his name until the draft day. I went back and drafted him. I was like, okay, he can, like, dunk and, like, nothing else. Uh, Sam Vecini said he didn't have him on his top 100. I've heard that from other scouts. Does not make sense. Uh, I didn't mean to spend this much time on Balsa, but it's, it remains baffling. And there's something else underneath that that happened, and whatever that that was, needs to never fucking happen again. Uh, Say what you will, but Troy takes care of his guys. It's a waste. Uh, two big men that actually are good at basketball. It's uh, fun to see. Isaiah Stewart played, I think, two games. Um, sure, sounds good. Sounds right. Still a good defender. Yep. Uh, they did run a couple of drop possessions with him. Uh, Killian Hayes went over a few screens and dropped him, which was interesting. Um, a lot of switching still. Uh, the shot looks yeah. fine. Uh, yeah. Looks like it did at the end of last season, which is a clear upgrade. And I know you put in here like didn't need to be here for Stu, and I agree. But I think the reason he was here was to just rile up all the Pistons fans to be like. <laughs> See, he could shoot. He could shoot. Now you got to stick about there twenty four seven. Yeah. Well, uh, I, had a lot, I had a lot of people be like, "Oh, that was so much conversation on Twitter." Was well, there, there was there was a lot of like, "Oh my god, you know, this is these are important reps for him <laughs> as a shooter." And like, guys, I don't know how many times I can say this: shooting from a standstill, like catch and shoot, not really a game rep thing. Yeah. <laughs> like shooting off movement and stuff, like under pressure, where you have to like really remember your mechanics. That's a big thing. Shooting a wide open pick and pop. Yeah. Now the interesting thing, they did actually run him off some like floppy actions and some like corner pin downs and pin ins, and like gave him like actual movement looks. Um, he didn't hit any of them. Uh, he did take two or three of them. <coughs> um, but yeah, that was that was an interesting thing. Like they're definitely pushing 
the envelope for him. It didn't need to happen in Summer League. Um, I'm glad he was here. I, it, like, I'm not mad that he played. Um, we'll get more into, into that later, but um, the the shot did look good. I am, I am pleasantly surprised. We'll talk more about this at some point, but, like, him shooting does not mean he plays the four, guys. <laughs> it doesn't mean he plays the four. But he must. Uh, it's just, like, it's... People we, have these little... They typed in their Excel spreadsheet... And the only way that it fits with seven centers is to put him at R four. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got more on that I want to cover later, whether we do it in this pod or another one. But um, are we still on the liver starting a power forward train? I I like that uh, if Isaiah is the starting five, and I I don't think he's losing his position. I don't yet. think he is. I think he's. I think he's um, going to be the case. And if that's the case, you're switching because that's what they want to do with Stu. It seems. And if you're switching, uh, livers is your best communicator in those scram situations and stuff, and I think that makes a lot of sense to space and switch like that. So, yep. um, I still think, this is probably way off topic for what we're on currently, but I still can't wait to see what the first starting lineup is going to be, because I know Casey wants so bad to start Alec Burks, I don't know if they're going to let him. Yeah, I, I would not actually be that mad if Ivy didn't start. I wouldn't be upset about it, I just, with the, the rest of the Pistons fan base, let's say, I think there would be a borderline riot. People's people's roster construction opinions and lineup construction opinions are wild, so... Yeah. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> Durin. Uh, oh, baby. <laughs> just what an insane athlete. I mean, oh, holy God. crap. Dan <laughs> gets up. Uh, we thought Marvin Bagley was an uppity-up man. This yeah. guy gets up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Bagley still has, like, a quicker jump, but, uh, like, you are not lacking in anything from Duran. Uh, again, youngest player in the draft. Mm-hmm. Looks like an adult. Not a problem. <laughs> Looks like he's 25. Um, was on a bit of a minutes restriction there in game one, um, so he only played, like, 10. Uh, played two more games. Did they say what the minutes restriction was for? It was just he he hadn't been allowed to practice with the team prior oh, to... Oh, right, because of the trade. Because of the trade. So they just wanted to make sure his conditioning was all ready to go. They didn't want to throw him into 30 minutes a game off one day's practice, because like, he wasn't allowed to like put on shorts yeah. uh, prior but to that. He, he looked the part. He, he looked, looked fine. He was ready to go. <laughs> um, there, there were definitely some issues. Like He really struggled rebounding uh, in these minutes. Uh, there's definitely some defensive questions that I want to get to um, in a more general sense in a minute. Um, the man's like 12. Um, I mean, <laughs> he'll figure some of this out as he goes. He's 18, uh, the he's Pistols put out a great video. <laughs> no, he's just he's just uh, the Jason Tatum. He's still eighteen yeah. when he's like twenty nine. Um, that's the the like, Jason Tatum's only twenty one. Uh, Calm down. Uh, Walcott's law. Where you're oh, just, Theo. You're just you're just you're just Theo Walcott is a is a soccer player. He's been player. sixteen years old for like seven years. Yeah, yeah. Who was uh, he played for for Arsenal in London? One of my first favorite players when I started watching Arsenal. And, I and he was just like he was just Arsenal. universally known as like. He's a he's a teenage phenom, and then everyone looked up and was like, "Wait a minute, he's thirty? What? <laughs> he's twenty nine, but he's still a teenage phenom." <laughs> you're you're a teenager until you're thirty. That's how it works. Part of it with Walcott was that he he never changed. He never his aged. Face. He never he never he never uh, until changed the tail end, like his hairline was still spot on the same. Like he didn't age, didn't change anything. He just looked Sty- the same. stylistically it was basically the same player. Yeah, jerseys changed. He did not. Um, Your kids. But but more importantly. Uh, Back to the point at hand. Yeah, yeah. During, like... Also, you're in an Arsenal kit. I, we had to talk about Arsenal at some point. <laughs> I am in an Arsenal kit. I've been in an Arsenal kit for probably 70% of the podcast we've recorded. It's true, but usually I can't see it half the time, or I forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staring I'm, at it. We're on camera. 
It's a good kit. It's the canary yellow. We're on camera, but I'm, it's mostly your face. I can't really see what's going on below. Yeah. And also, it's I'll make sure to drop the, the same. I'll room. make sure to drop the camera. Yeah, can we, important with this wide angle, <laughs> with the fishing, with fish eye. I want to see it all. I don't know, um, but like I, I did have some questions about Duran as like a scorer. But I thought we saw some really nice passing flashes. That was what I wanted to talk about. We, uh, the Pistons dropped the the mic'd up video. Uh, some really great communication stuff in there. Just always a, always nice to see a, a, a young guy, um, you know, young youngest player on the team who's really communicating like that. So really yeah. good start. Um, With the passing, it's something that we had talked about previously, like when we picked him and yeah. briefly when we had talked about him when we thought it was not a possibility for us to draft him. But... It was something where the passing, if I wasn't aware of it going in, I would have definitely been happy and, like, surprised because it, he had some, like, impressive reads on a couple of passes. And especially, like, there was one where he was out of the post, and I think he, I think it was a livers made a cut, and he saw it and just plopped right to him, perfect pass through the defense for an easy layup. Just like, I think my favorite is when he gets the double that comes over the top, uh, and he does the baseline spin and finds kind of, like, the hammer pass to the opposite shooter. He's really fond of that one. Yep. He's really accurate with it. Uh, I, I think he's not he's he's a timely passer. Uh, he makes reads quickly and he's pretty accurate with the ball. I think I think that's a really impressive um, skill to have, and I think maybe uh, maybe like the most important skill to have, uh, like when you're talking about building for the future for um, a modern day big man. Yeah. Well, just because like like Nerlens Noel, right? It's really easy to find somebody tall to block to play at the rim. Right? <laughs> it's really easy to find a Marvin Bagley to catch lobs. Right? It's easy to find a lot of skills. Passing is probably the hardest thing in the NBA to develop. You, you really have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to like being a quick, timely, connective passer. You know, it's one yeah. thing for, like, like Isaiah Stewart is not a great passer. Um, he can make short roll reads, but like it's very much a catch the ball, make a read, kick it out. It's not a, it's not a I felt this guy moving behind me, I'm making a pass even as I turn kind of thing. Yeah. You don't really teach that. Uh, and that, you know, that elevates your team. Yep. So, really, really fun to see. And that's what made Andre Drummond a great player. All right, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Breaking attacks. Andre was good, and he's he's still good. Um, I cannot wait to see what the fuck happens with him on the Bulls. <laughs> it's such a weird, <laughs> such a weird context for Andre Drummond. And speaking of context. We, we have some, segueing here. some larger context questions. You really pulled that segue out of nowhere. That <laughs> was an excellent segue. The emphasis on the words was important. Using the same word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need to talk about the context of Summer League, be, and, and more importantly, what the Pistons and the league generally does with it. Um, Jalen Duran played three games. Mm-hmm. How many minutes do you think Jalen Duran played in a, like... A way that was like remotely valuable to watch or rep out for Jalen Duran for his overall growth and development. Yeah, like like I don't I didn't check how many minutes he played. If he played uh, sixty minutes, what do you think? What do you think? How many of those minutes do you think were like actually valuable to Jalen Duran? Zero. No, I I would say like twenty. I say zero because none of it was next to Kate Cunningham. No, I I, I don't I don't agree with that, but like. He played against. He I wasn't played, going for a rational take here. You asked me a weird question. I gave like, you a weird answer. But like, he played with Ivy, Saban, or um, or Killian yeah. for I don't know 40, 50, 60 minutes total, maybe over three games. 
No, he played. He played. Sorry. So. What was that? Nothing in the Indiana game. He played very little in the Portland game. In the fr- in the first game, he played like ten minutes. All of them were with decent lineups, so that's good. Um, but the second game, he gets five minutes with Ivy, and um, Killian sits, and then he doesn't get any more with Saban because he's injured, and just like okay. Are you putting Jalen Duran in a position to succeed? You don't have a, a, a schemed perimeter defense because the league in general just doesn't let teams practice and stuff before summer league, right? You get a limited amount of time to put these teams together. You don't get a lot of time to, like, teach these guys reads. Um, so he's put in bad positions defensively. Uh, he's not being put in positions to make a lot of plays offensively. Are you helping Jalen Duran? Right, I mean, is it is is it the most optimal way to possibly use his time? Maybe not, but this is. I don't think it's. I don't think any NFL. single rep he made in the third game was of any value whatsoever. I'm Absolutely none of it was in NBA spacing. Absolutely none of it was at NBA pace. None of it was with NBA defenders. I don't. I don't think there's any value to it. Man's playing basketball. Killian's it's, minutes. He plays a bunch of it with Saban Lee, who's who's monopolizing the ball. He's, you know, he got trapped all the time, but like, he didn't get to just run. I would say Killian stuff. It was mostly just Killian is the one that you can actually make the point for this because at least you could have given Killian the chance to make more of his minutes. And I think we both agree, and I'm sure a lot of other people will as well, that Killian's minutes in the summer league game that he played were not like they could have been done better. Not just but but even like okay, going back to Jalen Duran. We didn't get Killian going over screens for a Jalen Duran drop. That wasn't a thing. Why? Because <laughs> Duran played ten minutes and right. Killian, Killian only played the whole game. Ex- ex- exactly, but part right, of it. But uh, so the point is, when we're talking about summer league, what is the point of summer league? Is the point of summer league to watch a bunch of not NBA NBA guys play basketball? Like really? I mean. Summer League is what a two-week stretch of just basketball celebration. No, I don't, no, it's not. That's the thing. You're, so, you're so no the the original you're so pur- strong in it to be a development thing where I don't think it. The original it, purpose of Summer League was to give your guys a chance to play basketball. Right, it's to say here's the team, here's the coaches you're going to play with, here's the language we're going to use. We want to give you this in a context. We want to get you uh, a chance to play with your teammates on an uh, you know against NBA pseudo caliber. Uh, opposition guys used to play five games a summer league they did and that I can agree needs to come back right guys used to play uh, and and now we're all scared to play guys five league yeah and 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 why because they might get an injury on national television exactly it's not because they might get an injury mm-hmm. because they're gonna get injured all the time yeah guys get injured all the time um, people are are Injured all the time in practice, we don't hear about it, right? Ivy's turning his ankle sucks. Yeah. Ivy's going to turn his ankle like twice more during practice this year. It's going to be fine. He's going to be back the next day. It's, it happens all the time. Yeah. It happened on TV. Yeah. And I was partially waiting, watching the Drew League when LeBron played the other day. I was waiting for him to get injured in that because his NBA aura where he can't get hurt might actually be off. Well, and and so, like, okay, the, you know, people are scared of this. You know what would make it less scary? I have no if Ivy came back and played Game Three because okay. it wasn't that big a deal, I mean, true. Like, yes, like you you play into it when you see by your pretending number these guys five are, draft pick get 
like turn his ankle, you're kind of a little yeah. hesitant. In yeah, a absolutely. Game. Absolutely. But you know what? You're not hesitant because of the player's health. You're hesitant because of the PR. Okay, it's part of it. Now guess what? You've created a vicious cycle where nobody's willing to play their good players, which means all the bad players are playing, which means there's more chaos and more chances for these players who are playing for their wives to hurt people. Right? You continuously degrade the context of Summer League until it's n- literally there is no point to Summer League anymore. Teams should just be allowed to have training camp in the summer. I don't entirely disagree with the end point of that. I think the way you got to it was a little off, just because I don't think there was... If, I if get you, there if was you were to go played back, in Summer League more in the past, and I get that that was a thing more in the past, but I don't think Summer League is about making sure these guys are getting up to speed and ready to play in an NBA game and the actual thing itself. A lot of it is going to be the meeting the people, getting the practice in, get, learning how to be like an NBA player. Right, the games okay. itself, I'm more... Why are you playing games, then? Because to give a chance to showcase for the guys that may not make an NBA roster. There's a whole G League for that. Most yeah. of these guys are... Like, here's the thing. None of that was ever relevant. And that's not to be mean to those guys. It's not about this. Because you made the Summer League about them, because you benched everyone, now you have a bunch of guys who are making a grand for their Summer League weekend or whatever you make. It's not much for being part of a Summer League roster. They make a little bit of money. They go out. They play insane basketball because there is no right or wrong in Summer League because we took all the people that define right or wrong and we benched them. The NBA needs to take a look at this. They spend... A huge amount of time building PR for summer league. Come watch it. Come watch your young kids. You are responsible for creating a product. You're putting it on ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the Pistons team website it's anymore. It's being talked about it, constantly. It's on ESPN. You They've have a responsibility. Out. They either, gave out fucking rings. You have a responsibility to either put out a product, and like, if if everybody's team, if every team's players who are under the age of like 22 play in summer league. It would be a better product and a safer one because those players aren't willing to throw their ankles around and just, like, step underneath kids. I agree with that point, that it should be a bit more about the players actually on the team. But I'm not opposed to giving the guys that don't really have many opportunities to showcase their skills the opportunity. We're, t- we're, talking, about taking, we're talking about, like, taking two roster spots off these teams, right? Maybe. But instead of, instead of, we're going to give... So are you forcing everyone who's under a certain age to play in the summer league roster? I'm not saying forcing. I'm just saying you either need to come up, you know, to to send out an internal memo and say we need a culture shift here. Yeah. And here's the way we're gonna, you know, we're gonna give you better officiating. We're gonna do whatever it takes to clean up summer league, right? We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> better officiating. Well, yeah, I I get it. It's a joke, but like we need to. You we need of all to people. Say, <laughs> summer league is going to have right. We're gonna put an effort into making summer league the better product mm-hmm. and the better environment. Or you need to just get rid of some of it. Because what you're doing, like, it is trending downward in a spiral very quickly. I think, I think, um, the Rockets were the only team to play their some of their kids, like, actual, any rostered kids in, like, game four and five. Yeah. It just, it, like, you, this is a come to Jesus moment. I mean, I, I think you're being way too over the top about this. I no, agree I, this, that there this, are problems with Summer League. I don't think thing. it's a if you're, I, I don't think team, this is, you get, you are restricted in how much time you get to spend with players. Yes. You need to be intentional about how you spend that time. Yes, and I, that's why I'm shocked if that you put teams say, aren't if you put, If you put Saban Lee out there and have him hog, hog the ball every minute, and, you, and you're not, as a coach, on his ass, like, hey, this is the context where you will get, you know, we're going to keep you on the roster because you can do this, this, and this. You either do this, this, and this, or you're not on the roster. 
That clearly, that message clearly did not get said. I mean, it might have not been said. It, it might didn't. Have, it didn't it might have been something that was going to come through on film, and we just didn't see him play enough. I. It didn't. Get, it didn't get through. Yeah. And here's the thing: it not only did it not get through, you didn't yank him when he was playing back, and that's just a thing that happens every year in summer. We just true. let that. Uh, we just let that happen. I mean, it's, and, it's part. I want to say it's part. Partially due to the coaches that are there are not the head coaches. They're not the people that are making the calls. And then head coaches head. are in the stands. All right, the, those the co- stands those coaches are very empowered to like. It's it's not like I'm not asking them to like run perfect sets and stuff. I'm saying you need to be intentional about what you're doing. And right? I agree with that point. And the way if we're not, if we're not playing the kids, we're playing we're letting you know people who are not supposed to be on the roster monopolize touches, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like you're not being intentional about what you're doing. This is the NBA. You have every right to take that you know 29 year old point guard who's trying to take 35 shots in a summer league. You have every right to bench him. You don't owe that guy anything. I agree. And that's why, like I said, I'm shocked the teams don't take it with more seriousness. But that being said, with it being kind of a showcase for the first couple days to kind of show the new the new hot stars, the new rookies, everything, give them a, kind of a taste of the NBA, let everyone kind of see them in the NBA jerseys, kind of quench that and kind of get people more excited for the year. And then it kind of goes back to showcasing kind of the younger guys that don't really have a chance, the four-year college players that are fighting to get a G League roster spot. Or fighting to maybe get a two-way. Look, the like G League, the G League has a showcase in an in-season tournament. I realize that. Has, like, here's here's. We're the not thing. fucking talking about that, now, are I, we? We're only talking about the summer league. I would, but more importantly, <laughs> you can go find another podcast to do that. <laughs> but more importantly, I'm not about to talk about G League, but I'll talk about summer league. You are scheduling matchups for ESPN TV mm-hmm. based on top pick matchups, right? You're yep. scheduling Rockets, uh, Pistons, or whatever. For like game four or something, right? This is yeah. the thing they're doing, and then they go, ah, we're gonna see this. It's this gonna and this. be Jabari versus Ivy, right? And they're they're saying that on a broadcast, and then everybody sits. Yeah, that's because you get you get to pick one or the other. You no longer get to get I mean, to take money from people who are buying tickets to games. You cannot tell me that LeBron sitting and me watching the rest of the Lakers is a problem. But literally the one player in the entire team that I cared about sitting in Summer League, and I bought a ticket for, like, and I went to Vegas for this. Like, I traveled. If you're going to Vegas for Summer League, I hate to tell you, but don't go there for the basketball. Go there to enjoy Vegas I'm, and I'm see I'm just saying, you, can't, you <laughs> cannot have it both ways. You cannot care about players resting four games in an 82-game season and say, yeah, just don't play your top picks in Summer League and just have that mesh. I mean, I feel like there's a difference. Watching a Summer League game... Or- even going there, I feel like it's a lot different than buying a ticket to going to a regular season NBA basketball game. I think there's a higher expectation when you're going to an NBA regular season basketball game. It costs game. me a lot more That's to fly to Vegas than it does to go to a Pistons game right now. Yeah, but if I wanted to fly to LA to watch a Lakers game, it'd cost me even more money. But, I, but I'm going to go to the, the LCA, I'm going to pay the $30 yeah, total or whatever... To go see LeBron, and LeBron sits out, and now I'm... And, now and there's people in Vegas that were like, I'm going to go out to the Summer League tonight because I live in Vegas and can go to this easily. I feel like your point is no. different. Just, just for the record, no. Vegas people do not do that. People fly in for Vegas. Yes, I understand that. And I know the people that I live that I know that live in Vegas don't really care that much about basketball. But <laughs> no. that being said, like I, you're not giving an apples-to-apples apples comparison here. I'm saying, like, oh, I want to drive over the... The, the, to NBA, the, the NBA is cracking down on, on rest games. Because they say that the product suffers and people who buy tickets and who invest in going to the game and yes. plan around this game are getting cheapened out of their tickets. 
This How is, is an that NBA not... regular season game, not a summer league game. I think the expectation is I am paying is for the product. And you are still getting a product. It may not be the one that you want. That's the same argument for Russian players. This is the thing. You, you just got to come with there's a, a more There's a, po- a hypocrisy here. And the NBA can say, these games aren't as valuable to us. And I'm saying, individual people are actually investing more into this weekend than some people do for games. Now, some people get real nice I'm going to call those people idiots, then. <laughs> if they're going there just to the, watch NBA basketball. If I could get the time off work, I would be in Summer League. If I, would absolutely if I could that. get the time off work, I would go to Summer, to summer League because I want to go and be in Vegas and go watch some games inside. If you're going there just to watch... I want to, I want see, to go there and see... Your, ar- your argument is based on a precedent that they've set that Summer League sucks. And my entire point is, if that's your precedent, you're making a bad product and you need to change. And there's no real argument against that. They either need to change it, or they need to say Summer League isn't what it's what it used to be, and like I think basically isn't what it used to be, and, base, and basically cut out two, two or three games. You can't you can't have a Summer League champion and crown a champion and give them rings. I agree that they're getting they're, when three of the games the NBA is having on both sides, but on the other side, there's nothing fucking going on sports wise, and ESPN will gladly buy whatever the NBA puts out there. If you you can be ESPN and complain about the bad product, that's fine. But I pay for ESPN. I mean, okay. uh, eventually this comes down to it's an entertainment industry. You're you are offering me an entertainment product that I'm not getting, and and I'm watching the product you are putting out there, and I'm not seeing the intentionality that tells me the the following product is going to be better, right? I'm nothing just, nothing about the way summer league is conducted. I think by anything, and this isn't a sure that makes thing. sense, but people know every, that the summer league that summer league is not indicative of how the NBA is run. No, mind you, there okay. are people sitting on no, both sides. No, that's the problem. Yeah. It is indicative of a lot of issues. The, I mean, the, it's a it's a similar... This isn't true of every team. Know. I'm not even saying it's true of the Pistons. There are a lot of teams where you find out from agents, you know, and stuff, and players, where like they'll be like, yeah, our practices were shit. Like, they weren't, yeah. we weren't intentional. In pra- like, the NBA, as a whole, like has, to, come to, a, has to have a come-to-Jesus moment about that. Yeah, and I mean, I will... D- Agreed that the product has suffered on that because of stuff like that for years, and it's gone downhill in terms of how you see teams play together and the teams that you can kind of tell do practice a little bit and kind of care and get like get after in practice. So looking at like the Miami Heat, like a team like that where you can tell that the practices mean stuff and you can see what's drilled in there, it makes a difference. But as a whole, I feel like this is where the NBA has been going for a while, where it's just a slightly more organized pickup game. I just well, that's not fair, but. The, the NBA has to has to just, like, what is Summer League communicating to us as fans about our teams? And right now, there's not a lot of positivity there. It's a lot of people just going, why did I tune into this? And that's bad. That's just bad for the NBA, period. I mean, I do agree that it was better back in the day, but I, it is indicative of other problems that we were having in the NBA. I don't want to say it's an apples-to-apples comparison, though. All right. Um, we are at about an hour mark. I want to cover uh, a few... Like more general topics, really quick. Uh, I know you're big on the contracts things. Contract extensions. If I tell you that a team is offering a contract extension, what does that imply? That they're wait, what? They're offering a contract extension. That they're going to extend the contract of the player. And they value the player, right? I mean, yes, or they value the asset. I don't necessarily always say the player in some of these instances. Same difference. It's a different difference. When I, when I hear value the player, I mean, I, that the connotation for that to me implies that they value the player in their system. We so, say value the asset, it means, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah, guy's yeah. good, we got him on a good contract, we got to keep him around, but we're looking to trade him. So, so here's, here's my point. 
had a uh, conversation about Killian's contracts uh, earlier. Oh God, and I missed this and I don't know where it's going to go now. Well, like so it. here's here's the thing: people got mad that uh, I think Laz threw out a number where they were like, "You try and get him on like three for twenty-seven. Killian's qualifying offer, I think, is is going to be like eight million, ten million. I I haven't checked. It's yeah. it's a decent chunk of change because he was a seventh overall pick. Yep, that's not gonna be small. Would so here's be, the thing: a lot of people were like, "He's not worth it." You offer him a, like a two for six extension. <laughs> no. And then they got mad that I laughed at them. His qualifying offer is nearly ten million. Yes. So here's here's the deal, guys: if you're offering him an extension, it means that you value him enough to give him more than his qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get a ten million dollar chunk of change for the qualifying offer. Yeah. You either let him walk. You sign the qualifying offer, or you extend him, or you, like you can give him a second contract. But like each of those steps is different. If you give him an extension that's less annual uh, annual value than his Almost, qualifying offer. It's a third of the qualifying offer. Well, so like if I if I say a three for twenty seven, right? So that's what what is it? Three for twenty seven. Uh, uh, eight nine nine. nine it's nine. Exactly. So so I'm saying we're going to give you a little less for the qualifying offer, and then I'm saying as a team. Okay, you know what? We think you're actually going to be worth like 15 for the last two years, right? Yep, exactly. So we're going to get you on the cheap, but we're going to give you a good chunk of change, right? That's as an extension. That's yep. a little give and take. Saying we're going to we're going to hope that we get a value off this, yep. and you're going to take it because it's, it's, it's good money. It's good money. Yeah, you're locked in 27 million dollars. It's great. So people get mad that like that number gets thrown out. They're like, he's not worth that. He's the point. <laughs> the point is, even if you don't believe he's worth that, yep. if the team is offering him an extension, that extension will not be. Two years, six million. No, it'll be maybe two years, twenty. It might be two, like whatever it is. the The total value needs to exceed the qualifying offer significantly enough that it makes sense for the player yeah. to accept it. If the team doesn't think he's going to be worth that, there won't be an extension on the table. Period. If someone is saying that they want to offer Gillian two for six, I'm going to tell you you don't know how to do business. Good day, sir. Just, just like generally, like okay. Now, if he hits restricted free agency and does like the Hamadou Diallo thing, right, where he like floats it around, turns out there's not a good deal. Yeah, maybe you get a two for six then, right? Well, you're saying as a restricted free agent. As a free agent, as a, okay. he could sign the quality, the the yeah. qualifying offer if you extend. I'm going to say two. if you're if you're offering him a two for six after this year, and he has a bad year or whatever. Wait, the qualifying offer is still there. He's just sign the qualifying. He's signed the qualifying Absolutely. offer and saying, "Fuck you! I'm not a restricted free agent. I'm going to find my money somewhere else." Right. So the the point is, like, a lot of people get mad. That these numbers get thrown around. And the point is, it's not that Killian is necessarily worth these things. It's that if this event is to occur, and be even remotely plausible, these targets have to get hit. Right. Yeah. Your extension has to make sense in that it's more than the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Your restricted your restricted free agency deal is going to have to be at least fifteen million dollars. Yep. Total. Yep. Over two. Over I am two expecting years. it to be close to thirty million. Like twenty-seven, I think would be a pretty I, good. I think marker. three for twenty-seven is a really good That's marker. A, yeah. If he continues to progress in a little bit, over under is somewhere in the twelve million dollar range would be my guess. I yeah, I think I think that would be like, and it's very possible that he gets like a one-year extension. Yeah. Or a one and one or that kind of like. I. These these are all like plausible. I wouldn't expect a one-year extension. I would expect he's either going to get a three-year deal. Some some longer term I, deal, or he's going to take qualifying. I can't. I, I can't remember. Does the qualifying offer void your bird rights, or do you keep the birds? I think you keep the bird rights if you're an unrestricted free agent. You're not I know you're unrestricted. I just get, like yeah. if I, I can't remember. I if believe it you still voids your birds because you were still you were still on a contract for three years. So I think it's bird rights are still there. But regardless, the point the point is, 
when you're having know, these call moose. <laughs> in, in general, when you're having these discussions, bring up moose. The the quality. I'm not letting you get these, to this point. <laughs> the the context of these deals matters, and if you're offering a deal, like if you're offering an extension, you're implying that the team in that situation values them enough to extend. If you don't think that happens, there's no point quibbling over the value of the extension. The extension isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying don't don't quibble about the value of the extension. So you did you tell it to Marvin Bagley? That was an extension. <laughs> that, that was a, an extension. That was a free agent signing. <laughs> That's a free. That, that it was, was a restricted free agent. It was a extension. restricted free agent signing. It's a it's an extension. No, there are specific extension rules, and the point is a specific extension context, right? Because the extension <laughs> is a bet a year ahead. Yes, right? uh, the so, extension. So you're saying, in this case specifically, you're talking about an extension in season. Right, right. So, okay. so that that's me saying <laughs> the two I'm, phrase six is definitely not happening. Right, right. So that's that's you saying you're going to go to Killian a year before he's even off the market. Offer him less than he's making now. Offer him less than his thing for two more years so that yeah. he's just tied. Like, and it's not extension is going to be that like three for thirty six, maybe a bit more. I, I don't know about that. I th- I think the three for twenty seven is a really good number, but um, I, especially the, if you the point is in season. Like the point is those those extension windows exist. In a very specific context, yeah. you don't. You're not going to get an extension. Ne- like so, for Killian, it would be this summer or the next like six months. He's getting that extension. Yeah. It's not going to happen without specific metrics being reached. Otherwise, both parties will go to restricted free agency, yeah. and then both parties will go into whatever's next and whatever's after. The- like those are phases, and each phase has different contexts and different numbers, and both parties have to agree. You can't just force a player to take a shit contract. Someone's reading too much art of the deal. Just, it's really bad. Uh, and I've had this argument like ten times, uh, and I'm, I'm tired of it, frankly. It's in the mind. I'll be happy to be like, no, you're <laughs> dumb. Uh, that's not how things work. Um, let's save the fours and fives conversation for another pod. Yep. A really quick one, though, because uh, this, is, a, this, this <laughs> is true for Hami and for Jalen Duran and for a couple of other people. Um, individual defense that is good in like individual defensive contexts, but bad for team defense. For example, uh, Hamidou Diallo is really great at contesting from behind, right? Catching up, right? He gets blown by, he gets beat because he gambles, and he's great at catch, catching somebody from behind and like blocking a shot at the rim. Hamidou is great from behind. <laughs> just, just let him. We're an hour into the podcast. Let, this let him is what you're going to get from me right now. I gave him rum. It's my fault. Yeah. Um, Duran also. His, his thing that he likes to do is close out short, force you to drive, and then contest you from behind. He really likes that more than he likes sliding with people. Here's the thing. Those are good defensive skills. It's good to have that recovery ability, especially Duran, because he does it intentionally. Hami does it because he gambles badly. Duran is actually like under control most of the time. The thing I want to point out, though, is like it's good individually, but like you still allow a driver into the paint. And you still, like, that creates a, a, a requirement for a rotation and a possible kick out like you are creating still schematic holes to fill um and the reason i mention that is like a lot of people look at just the events and they say um they say that this is like a good defender because they see these events and i just i want to encourage people to look a little more because i got a lot of during such a great defender in summer league that's a and like much. Duren is a good defender 
But he, he is a useful he got, he got beat quite often. Uh, there were a lot of rotations he was late on. And just like generally, those are going to have to be better. And when we're talking about the context of Summer League, you can't just look at the events because they're playing against bad players. Uh, you know, no offense. They're all good players, Jim. They're, you're playing against bad players. So, like, you have to look at when did he make the read. If he made the read late, he's probably getting yammed on by LeBron. Yeah. Um, you make that read late against... Yeah, LeBron's a good Zion. Right. Like, <laughs> just, just, nobody was making up for that. And, and it's it's important because even, like, like I talk about Duran likes that, right? That's his preferred way to contest around the perimeter. That's good that he has a, a way that I think he contests in control. It's, it's a very good thing. The thing is, if you don't schematically have that read built in, you've created a hole. You've still created a problem, yep. and your good point guards are going to go in... Your, your rim protector is still going to step up. There's still going to be a dump-off pass because this happened. And I think just in general, I want to encourage people to be a little more mindful of like what the next steps are defensively and think about things from a defensive perspective as a scheme and as a whole. Because uh, too often we get caught up in the events and then I hear things about how Hamadou Diallo was an elite defender <laughs> and I want to like pull my brain out from my nose. There's somebody who watches way too many highlights, and that's all I got to say on that. Well, some people are just never taught to, like, watch defense, or they're only taught... Well, they see the flash things, and they're like, ah, oh, it's a good defender right well, there. Or, like, I'm sorry, we don't teach defense in, like, high school level. <laughs> like... Speak for yourself, but okay. Like, it just, it's, it, it, defensive, like, well, like, defensive concepts are so different. So, much, like, um, I talked to, to Motor City Hoops, uh, Bryce Simon, about uh, what he does when he coaches at his level all the time. And Bryce's team runs a, a trap situation where the guy one pass away. Um, the, it's it's a scramble situation. I can't remember the exact details, but basically it's a thing that would never work in the NBA. Mm-hmm. None of the concepts really are applicable to the NBA. It works because the athletes are worse. The the wingspan is worse. The shooting is worse. Yeah. Is worse. Just like and like so it's, it's, slower. it's not a bad strategy for him, but. If his players were to watch an NBA game and judge defense based on what they learned, it's wrong, right? Yeah. NBA de- NBA defense is not college, de- right? We we hear all the time college defenders are work so much harder, right? There's so much there's so much more effort put into college defense than NBA. I would say defense. there's more effort put into it, but I wouldn't say they. And it's completely yeah, wrong. It's, 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 com- it's a farcical thing, because NBA defenders are asked to think so much more. They're asked to process so much more. On an intellectual level, they're asked to cover so much more ground, yeah. so much quicker. That's a stereotypical thing, I would say, probably said by someone who likes college basketball and doesn't watch the NBA past the season. But it's also just what we're coached to see as fans. We, we get coaching from your Dan Dockages in... Oh, don't say that name. Bleep that out. Cut he's, that out. He's a terrible person. He's an awful person who I just... And if he awful, died tomorrow, I'd be happy. And an awful pundit. Uh, With bad but, hair. But you get more of those like on-court demonstrations. You get more of that in the college game. Where they're like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And at the NBA level, it looks like this dude just made one read and made a play. And you think, oh, that's not that much. And like, no, he made like 12 reads. And all these other little things had to happen. And you're not coached to see it. Mm-hmm. And so that point, that's just the general point I want to make is we need to do a better job of paying attention to the way things impact the scheme as a whole because you can't grade defense just on an individual level without thinking about what that decision did to everyone else. If everyone else has to go into a scramble because you made a decision, or even if they have to think twice and they get back cut because they, tr- they stunted thinking they needed to help you, that's still your fault. Yeah. Have All you right. heard yourself talk enough? No. No, no. 
But I am. I don't know I if am, anyone at home is noticed by tuned wheezing, out of this podcast. I am wheezing very badly, so <laughs> we'll call it there. Uh, I have no idea when the next podcast will be. You're moving back to DC, exactly. so I am going to be all around the globe the next couple weeks. If you get passed by a white Dodge Charger, it might have been me. <laughs> it might have been. I'm going to be everywhere in Michigan, and then off to DC, and then back and forth. So. Fun times, fun times. So we may not have another podcast until, like, end of August. Unless they have a reason. <laughs> uh, Unless the Pistons trade for Kevin Durant. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey. <laughs> we have the assets. <laughs> you, you ready to say goodbye to Cape Cunningham yet? <laughs> oh, God, kill me. <laughs> All right. We'll call it there. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.